0: Welcome, everyone, to episode 10 of the Gamify Everything podcast, brought to you by Gamify, the IEO launchpad for everything gamified. I'm your host, Marcus Howard, and today we are joined with Gary Glass. Welcome to the show, Gary.
1: Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, I know we had a little, little bit of touch and go this morning. You know, technology works until it doesn't. I, I
1: love it. I love it when it falls
0: apart right in the last second. It's my favorite. It's okay. It always makes for an interesting morning. Thank you everyone who's joining us live here on LinkedIn and also those of you at the Discord stage. Um, again, if anyone has questions in LinkedIn, add them to the chat, Gary and I can see them. If you are in Discord, just raise your hand, I'll promote you to the stage. Uh, we've got a live Q&A session here over the next hour. We're gonna talk about everything NFT specifically as it relates to metaverse as it relates to musicians. But Gary, can you bring everyone up to speed? I know you and I had a chat a few days ago, you've got a remarkable background started very early in tech.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, first is where we're at today is a, an evolution of technology, entertainment, and, and consumer buying behavior, right? But before we get there, we have to understand a couple of things, like where we came from. Like I've been in technology for about 20 years, a little over 20 years. Um, I helped launch two different startups. One was sold to into a QuickBooks for $50 million. the next one... Was sold to a company called Citrix for five hundred million, and Citrix actually just went, uh, just went, it got bought out a couple of days ago for sixteen and a half billion dollars, which is pretty cool. But uh, my first company at at eighteen uh, was around Web, really 1.0. um Netscape kind of thing, and you know how to create a, a website before WordPress existed and how to market it before Facebook ads existed, and. Um, and then we went, <clears throat> No, keep in mind too, we had like pagers, right? We had <laughs> pagers. no way cool. to communicate, no instantaneous. I mean, if you wanted to transfer money from a bank account, you had to actually go to the bank and get physical dollars. And uh, that, the process was a really painful one for a consumer. And so we flash forward to today where everything's connected. Every kind of mobile application, every kind of consumer reach, every kind of fan base reach. And uh, and there are ways to not only monetize that, but there are massive investment dollars coming into an industry that simply didn't exist two years ago, which is very
0: very cool. Yeah, I, it's it's been a long journey. I remember pages. I remember you know web one and, and my parents tried to get me to start like coding websites when I was in Did the ninth that. grade. I just had no interest in it because web 1.0 was so skeletal. Boring? boring, boring, boring. Probably yeah. better. It was.
1: Yeah, there was no community there, right? There, there was nobody used the internet because we didn't know what it was. But you know, those that that saw the fabric that it creates, um, that's fundamentally what we have today, right? We're we're a fabric um, of interconnected, not only just people, but you know, I've got 40, 50 devices in my house from, you know, thermostat to Alexas that are connected to the internet, and um, you know that. From a technology perspective, what I do today, um, aside from MetaMent, is also in cybersecurity for Hewlett Packard Enterprise and in infrastructure um, design and, and network design. And so we have an evolution in technology happening on the corporate business side of things that simply allow uh, you and I to even have a Bank of America mobile application, right? Because Bank of America has taken Massive evolutionary steps in their own infrastructure to be able to offer this kind of service uh, to us consumers, and so the same things happening with Facebook, uh, OpenSea, and, and these these kinds of right. You have Robinhood and Coinbase and, and these other companies that didn't exist a couple of years ago and now worth billions of dollars because of the interconnectivity that they
0: create. Do you feel at all concerned about the number of connected devices you have in your house? And, and let me put more context around that. I think. Blockchain and a little here takes on this as well. Blockchain is, is an inevitable necessity for our our multi connected world because devices like that having a connected home just wasn't kind of in people's minds when when uh, the internet was created, one launched, and now everything's connected, but everything doesn't necessarily have the security it needs. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So security is a, a massive risk not only for us as consumers and getting our identities stolen, um, simply because our Information, whether it's on Coinbase or Bank of America or Chase or whatever banking app you use, our information is available online. Right, my my profession is to identify bad actors and and shut those threats down as they try to attack different kinds of corporate internet landscapes and infrastructure landscapes. And so, from a business in, in Fortune five hundred kind of perspective, it's a massive risk and threat because you know I think HPE. A couple of years ago last saw this stat gets attacked uh, through malware or ransomware and things like that um, in the neighborhood of eighteen hundred times a day. And so fourteen, you know, Fortune five hundred and fortune one thousand companies are under attack twenty-four-seven. There is no stopping um, because that business is so lucrative. So on the personal side, you and I, you know, yeah, there's absolutely ways to protect our information and, and be more secure. But then again, you know. Most people think well, if I'm if I'm not a person of interest, I don't have anything to risk, right? But we see, you know, crypto wallets getting hacked all the time. So it, it does happen.
0: Yeah, I see it uh, on a daily basis, almost if not the hacks, at least attempts are hacks. You know, we, right. we shout out to the Gamify community team and the Snow White Seer and, and others on the team. They're, they're diligently uh, reviewing, protecting that community because project is launched and, and like many other projects, you know, there's there's value there, whether it's directly the, the coin sure. that, that we have or the, the coins that the other legitimate users in the community have. So we have to be diligent about protecting that, that ecosystem.
1: Yeah. And shout out to those who try to stop all the scammer scum out there, right? You know, we, we know just by being on Discord that we get flooded with, you know, scams as soon as somebody drops a mint um, and that's it's irritating as hell. So... You know, shout out to everybody who's vigilant and trying to, you know, rid their servers from these scammer
0: scum. Talk to me a little bit about your background. And and, and again, you and I had this conversation, but for people who are just now joining us uh, about your background in music, because you've got this new project and we'll get to that. But before we get to that, just set some context around it.
1: Yeah, so I've I've been really fortunate to work with... um, Some some pretty good artists, uh, professional musicians, uh, bands, and things that you would know. Uh, And my my mission there kind of started I don't know eight ish years ago. Um, So understand I've been in technology for twenty years. I've been fortunate enough to have a a couple successful exits there, make some money, be in venture capital, angel investing, uh, launching an entrepreneur program at University of Texas in Austin called Longhorn Startup Labs, and um, that kind of intersection of technology and investments and startups and innovation led me to some conversations with professional musicians. And uh, my only like personal you know full circle moment was 2017, 2016. Um, you know keep in mind too, I, I left Texas at 22, homeless, sleeping in my Chevy Cavalier. Uh, no, no real direction, but just hustle. And from there, being able to, you know, my, my moment was as I'm sitting in, in Fred Hammond's studio here in Dallas a couple years ago, I got my feet kicked up on the the riser. They're preparing for a tour with Israel Houghton and, you know, a couple of other gospel singers. Um, it was a very cool moment for me to, to recognize that, when you have a picture of something in your mind, when you have a goal or a dream or a, a focus that no matter what that course looks like to get there, um, it will come to fruition. And so you know, that kind of set off a lot of conversations about me just bringing ideas to professional artists um, and saying, hey, you know, I have this intersection of technology. I'd like to connect you with this person that's doing this thing. I think it would interest you. And and that began some some business conversations that, that launched a, a company called uh, well doesn't matter but there was a startup essentially I had helped fund uh, that was Cameo before Cameo existed around musicians and being able to you know pay uh, an artist for uh, a video chat or a video message and so the snowball really started to roll as I got engaged and started working with investors like Marcus Lemonis from the profit on uh, CNBC who then uh, invested in SJC drums. Um, I invest in two different drum companies, one called battlefield drums, which had a massive roster of, of rock artists and SJC drums has guys like uh, green day and 21 pilots and, and custom snares that may be a uh, featured product for that particular artist. Right. And so there's, a lot of conversation that kind of happened about me connecting these dots around technology, around consumer buying behavior, um, around their own ability to generate revenue off stage and uh, you know, pursue their own side hustles and, and business uh, diversification. Um, so that's that's been a lot of fun. And then you know kind of leads into today in this evolution, this whole NFT thing.
0: Just a second, if you could uh, just, on this subject of, of side hustles, I think and even for me, as we were having that conversation before, you know, it was news to me that, that that's something that's important to the accompanying band or musical support for major artists. So I, I learned a lot from you when we talked about that. Could you kind of restate that so people here understand why even if you're working in a, a major band or, or working for a major celebrity musician, you still need to go hustle?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, the first thing is... The band members, guitarists, bassists, drummers, et cetera, um, often don't make, unless they have a great contract, often don't make what the headliners make. Example would be uh, a few years ago, Rich Redmond is Jason Aldean's drummer. Now, Jason Aldean, if you don't know, is one of the greatest selling country artists of all time. Yeah, I think uh, he's got 25-ish number one hits. Um personally generates in the neighborhood of 30 or $40 million a year for himself. And the bandmates don't make that kind of catch. Um, they they live well because he's in a, you know, a high value uh, band and he's a high value uh, artist. But, you know, most musicians need to find a way to create revenue streams and income for themselves, passive income, ideally, right? It's like Odell Beckham Jr. You know, Leaving the gridiron and, and going into NFTs uh, off season or, you know, as a side hustle himself. And so artists and band members are looking to do the same thing. And, and that goes down to even just contracts or partnerships with um, video streaming with groups like drumio or, you know, drum tutoring or things of that nature. <clears throat> so there's a, a massive interest obviously in technology, but most aren't really technical. And, and I understand that, right? Artists are, like athletes, you know, don't understand the complexities of things like discord servers and you know ways to navigate linkedin because it's not you know part of their their day to day and so i become that catalyst that helps them find those opportunities invest in those opportunities whether it's their own capital or finding additional investment partners and then uh, you know finding ways to monetize both their reach and their ideas
0: and so that's that's the the uh, genesis of you creating Metamet, is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the genesis here for Metamet is to really capitalize on my reach into various business industry, right? One is technology and the history that I have there. Two are the partnerships that I've had with House of Blues, with Live Nation, with uh, various talent agencies and individual artists and bands themselves. Um, and so those, those two worlds typically don't talk to each other, and, and I, I found a, a way that I, I can provide some value to both help friends and you know, industry associates in music find ways to monetize their reach and their ideas, uh, as well as ways for those in technology to uh, get involved and help facilitate.
0: That's awesome. We're going to take a quick break here for Q&A. Uh, if anyone has any questions, I want to ask Gary directly. Uh, raise your hand. I'll promote you to the stage. Again, he's got an extensive background in both technology, and music, and, and now this this new um, horizon of, of not to, to use the, the Facebook name, but the new horizon of, of <laughs> NFTs in yeah,
1: the yeah, that.
0: <laughs> so close, so close. So if you have any questions? Raise your hand. I'll promote you to the stage. You can ask them now. See, Kratos, you've got your hand raised. Just a second. And then Kratos, uh, people on LinkedIn, I just uh, invited you to say, people on LinkedIn won't be able to hear you because of the way we have Restream set up. So you'll ask your question. I'm going to repeat the question for those listening on LinkedIn. And when this goes out to the audio podcast, and then Gary, you're welcome to answer the question.
2: Right on.
0: So while we're waiting on Kratos to, to join us on the stage, who are some of your favorite bands?
1: Man, um, I- I'll share one that comes to mind. 21 Pilots currently comes to mind, um, I, I like Jason Aldean and Country. Um, probably my all-time favorite band is coming to Dallas in March, or March 5th. I'm so pumped to go see him live again, and that's uh, Seven Dust, uh, mm-hmm. which is just hard rock. Uh, but, you know, my my tastes are, are very diverse. About the only thing I can't handle is some Kenny G. <laughs> I can do without that.
0: That's there. That's fair. Welcome that's to the stage, Rados. Right. Good
2: morning. Yeah. Hello, guys. Uh, It's amazing to hear you. And I'm a new person to the NFT market. And I've got a question about NFTs. Uh, What a special thing uh, that gives uh, value to the NFTs and how those uh, buyers can, uh, can catch this value and understand that this is the precious thing they would like to buy and store and sell and whatever do with it. Good
1: question. You may take that one, Marcus. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, first, there's there's really a couple of sides of the NFT. Um, you can interact with an NFT in, in many ways, and there's a word that you're going to hear a lot of, and it's going to become really annoying. But utility is a big word right now, and that just really describes the offline function of your NFT or the function of the NFT beyond just having a cool profile picture. And so you can invest in NFT like OpenSea. You can go and buy low, sell high like you do uh, Bitcoin on Coinbase. And so that's a way to invest in those artists' effort to get in front of you and to create a new way to engage with you. And so something that I see trending and evolving here is artists being able to absolutely eliminate the industry bureaucracy, right? the labels, the management, everybody who who has their hand in their pot. So every artist, by the way, on average, only makes about 12.5% of the money on their music. And so that's a small margin. You look at the amount of effort that they they have to endure uh, to release music for us to just enjoy. And so they're looking for ways to cut out everybody else and go direct to you and I and sell you a, a, a maybe a new song that's unreleased. Think about the uh, the amount of songs that Prince probably has on the cutting room floor that were never released or put on CD. My guess is at some point in the near future, all artists like that are going to start putting their, you know, unreleased music in NFT form. And so that creates you and I an opportunity to find some exclusivity, meaning maybe only 10 people in the world have this particular song. and that increases its value, so you go to OpenSea or some other kind of platform, you buy that, you bid into it, and that's only going to increase in value. And that's called utility because it's not just a profile picture of your favorite band, but it's actually something tangible beyond that picture.
0: Great question, Kratos. Thanks for asking that. And LinkedIn, again, if you, you aren't able to join us here on the Discord stage, if you want to send your questions in the chat,
2: Gary and I can see those. And we'll... uh, Kratos, do you have, you have any other problem? questions? Yeah, please uh, clarify one more thing for me, Gary, Uh, how to sort all those NFTs at the uh, market at OpenSea, because it's so much out there. And uh, for the rank and file people, it's like a very complicated thing to identify the. One NFT uh, is a precious thing to buy and another NFT is just like rubbish and it's so difficult. Uh, maybe you have some ideas uh, for future for people to be able to sort all these things out uh, when dealing with all those NFTs, uh, which will have some uh, uh, really use case.
0: Great question. Let, me, let me repeat the question uh, if you're, you're not able to hear that on LinkedIn. Kratos asked, "How do you, if you're going to a platform like OpenSea, which is more or less like an Amazon.com for NFTs, how do you sort out the really valuable projects from the crap? Uh, because there, it's it's an open market. You can anyone can upload anything. So there's, you know, you've got the scale opportunity and the scale problem.
1: Yeah, great great question. So my my first reaction to that is there's a lot of noise." out there right now, this NFT stuff. And it's only going to get louder. And there's only going to be a whole bunch of NFTs that get minted and dropped and released that uh, ultimately have little long-term value. Why? Because those that are early right now, like the bases and, you know, the, the yacht clubs in the world, they're early and they're interesting. I mean, heck, Bieber bought uh, a, a base for $1.3 million this weekend, Right? And so you see these artists putting big dollars behind these things that are driving the value. Now, you and I, most people, can't put $2 million into a an NFT. Um, but a couple things you're going to see emerge. One is the amount of noise or nonsense that's not worth investing in. And you have to be very careful about that. Um, so in order to mitigate that risk, I would look at things like, what's their community look like? the artist that's dropping that NFT, do they have a big discord community? Do they have a big social media following or something to that effect that brings social value? Um, second is something you're going to see emerging is uh, hedge funds in the NFT space. So the ability to buy fractional ownership of something um, where I might not buy something for $2 million, but I could certainly buy it for 500 bucks uh, much like can a, a fraction of a Bitcoin. Uh, and that's, Share value can increase or decrease depending on the the asset, uh, and that can flip that for profit. So you're going to see those two things emerge, and hopefully the noise gets cut down. But the other part of that is the the thing I would look for <clears throat> are components like uh, mythical games or yield games. You know, both of those got massive multi million dollar investments from groups like Andrews and Horowitz. Andrews and Horowitz is a Investment firm that has some $28, $30 billion in assets, and they just opened a $4.5 billion fund specifically for crypto and NFTs. And so, watch what they're doing. Watch what the people who have big dollars from a venture capital standpoint are investing into, and then look at those platforms and follow those platforms. And another thing is, I I, I think one of the more creative things happening is with like groups like Dead Mouse or um, you know, 3 loud 3 loud sold one for $12 million in a day. Got $12 million in a day for all of his NFTs. So following the artists that if you don't want to go to OpenSea and take a risk in buying a drop or NFT that may or may not work out for you, right? Uh, that's risky. Uh, that's your choice. You can also just really instead follow the artists or follow the platforms that you think, or follow the games that are doing cool things, NFT, follow groups like uh, our company, uh, like loop mobile, L O O T mobile M-O-G-U-L, dot com, I think. Um, but loop Mogul is investing in gaming platforms and taking real assets like Giannis combo's tennis shoe and providing that to an in-game function that allows me a temporary or even permanent stat increase or, attribute increase. And so, you know, if you think about uh, he's heating up from NBA jams back in the day, one of my favorite games ever, right? I still play it on my PlayStation. Um, It's a a beautiful way to understand that there are ways to increase your attributes, in-game attributes, and using an NFT that you bought on a different platform to do so. And so that interconnectivity, that game, that artist, that investment group that you're following... Uh, they'll tell you where to go if you pay attention to that
0: stuff. Hope that helps. Just as a quick caveat to that none of this is investment advice and, and only Absolutely investors not. you can afford to lose.
1: Don't do it.
0: <laughs> Great question though Kratos thank you and an excellent answer.
1: I mean, do you see the Paris Hilton news Paris Hilton News I, I hate that she's called like the the queen of the metaverse. i uh, I tend to strongly disagree. Uh, but Paris Hilton is doing the right thing that she's always done, which is monetize. Her audience and monetize her reach and whatever persona of celebrity that she thinks she has. Um, she's great at manipulating us into her own character, right? We follow this character, like her bubblehead, you know, ditzy persona that we watch on TV. She is far from it. She is very far from it. She is a wicked smart business person. Um you know, she got a lot of great advice from her dad as a, you know, Hilton hotel baron. But the bottom line is now she's in the NFT space and making millions and crushing it right now because she's creating, quote, utility or access beyond uh, just a picture. Uh, so guys like Kings of Leon, uh, Marcus, you and I are talking about this, this kind of mm-hmm. capability of being able to maybe buy a band's or artist's entertainer's NFT and having some concert access or VIP access. Kings of Leon have just done this, right? They just did this. So now those who bought specific NFTs or epics or rares or whatever, not just have this asset to swag and flex online, but now they have lifetime front row access to any concert they actually attend to. And there's ways for them to verify that that's your NFT that you bought from Kings of Leon. Uh, what, what What a great way to super engaged with the artists that you love and take things uh, offline into the real world.
0: Yeah. I think that's important and shout out to them for doing that. Cause that was what a year ago, uh, something close to a year ago, they launched that, that NFT yeah, for their cool. new, new album. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were early in and they, they didn't just do an image. You know, they already had, and so someone obviously gave them some great advice. They already had utility built into it then. And, and obviously we're seeing it being deployed now. So I, I would agree with Gary hundred percent. Like, look at some of these more mature projects that are offering actual value and use that as a baseline, like compare everything else to that. And, and I would also caution, even these, you know, Andreessen and Horowitz and these larger players, yes, they're betting, but some of them are also, I, I, this is an unpopular opinion. I like to think that that many investors, not all, but many investors are lazy with their due diligence. They follow the halo effect. So no question, yeah. If, if someone invests in project A and investors B, C, and D won't even do their due diligence. Their, their due diligence is saying, We saw that investor A. Yeah, their due I, diligence I just is saw that last week. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. I would pay attention to. Um, uh, I lost it. I had a, had a thought that you said something really important around that interconnectivity. But yeah, look at the evolution of things, right? The evolution is there is. Your grandma is going to be talking about NFTs at the dinner table, the Thanksgiving table this year, right? And so this explosion in technology, right? But it's the ability to have a community of other NFT holders, right? And then take that community offline and engage in experiences. And so this, this digital asset has now... You know, giving you the opportunity to to have pretty cool experiences offline. So that's that's gonna be something fun to watch.
0: Well, Kratos, thanks for that question. If you'll head back to the audience, so that if anyone else is interested, they can join us as well. Gary, while he's doing that, have you had any pushback from artists about getting into the NFT space? I know that we see that a significant amount of opposition from game developers and gamers about NFTs. And, and yeah, you earlier. There's some education needs to happen there. But have well, you seen that?
1: Same- I've, got, I've got labels. I've got management. I've got studios themselves. And I've got artists themselves um, reaching out to me to discover just how to explore this. Right. They, they just don't know what NFT is. They don't understand the actual long term value of this beyond <coughs> the, the hype and the noise that we hear around OpenSea and other platforms. So. My my objective is to help introduce the real value of this stuff as they reach directly to the consumer and to the listener uh, of their music. Um, I guess case in point is I'm working with a couple of really well established artists right now uh, around a custom NFT drop uh, in partnership with a couple of other designers. Let's I'll just name. Um, Deadfellas as one. And so you have Deadfellas, you have Giving Tree out of Australia, which does things in nonprofit using NFTs and uh, helping homeless. And so there is a uh, omaze.com kind of attribute here where you purchase an NFT and a portion of that actually goes into helping a cause. I think the cause aspect of this from a, a social uh, well-being standpoint is something you're going to see increase this year, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. But... In addition to that, there are some that just don't get it, and that's okay. I just hope they surround themselves with people who do and can help them, you know, monetize this this new wave. Uh, but it certainly is not going anywhere. When you see billions of dollars getting poured into this, um, you know, it's sustainable. But I would focus really on looking at things like this partnership that I'm having with creators and developers and designers and artists. Um, you know, you'll see an NFT drop that has, um, you know, custom drummers like maybe the top 100 Hall of Fame drummers on it. Uh, you know, behind a certain kit that, you know, let's—I don't—I don't, I don't know—maybe any names, but you know, there's some cool things happening around just artists being able to monetize uh, their reach.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and and I want to see more of that, more support of the creator economy because for so long it's just been top 1% of whatever the industry is, right? It could be athletes or or musicians or game developers getting, you know, the Pareto principle says, I think 80, 20% yeah. of whatever the ecosystem is, gets 80% of the resources. <clears throat> and for everyone else, it's just barely sustainable. Like that's why you have, like you mentioned, these other musicians having to do these side hustles.
1: Yeah. I think what I mean, I wish, I like to know how many of the listeners have actually you know, gone to a live concert uh, and those who have gone to a live concert, how many of them have been in VIP or backstage? And so you, when you have that kind of access to somebody that, you know, creates something that has a meaningful and um, what's the word for? Kind of cathartic value to you, right? So we have a relationship with music. Music moves people. And when that music moves you, you want to go buy a concert ticket to experience this live, not just in audio. And when you do that, you actually get backstage and you get to a meet and greet or something like that, that that artist becomes a person. And, and when you experience that engagement, um, that music becomes even more meaningful to you and you want to talk about that. And so emerging artists who don't have big record label dollars to help kind of catalyst and catalyze their their growth are looking for ways to crowdfund And and I think that if you were to find an emerging artist that you like, you buy their NFT, you're much more likely to go promote that artist because you want your NFT to increase in value and because you feel like you have a direct connection uh, exclusive to you with this artist. And that's that's a very cool thing.
0: As another example of NFTs and utility and access, that's one of the the major features of the Gamify platform. And they have the, the standard kind of Launchpad, Ido, you know, waitlist functionality that you see in the market, but they're also introducing yeah. NFTs that aren't just JPEGs. They're animated three D renderings, but the NFTs themselves uh, also a they're themed. So this one is kind of RPG themed. Yeah. But b the the NFTs allow you to basically give the opportunity to kind of get first in or skip the waitlist, like just extra access to that instead of having to, to go through. The, the regular process of all these extra steps, having the NFT gives you that, that accelerated access to be a part of these launches for these games. No
1: question. Uh, and as far as gaming is concerned, man, I'm, I'm super pumped to see, first of all, where music <clears throat> and the artistry plays into, like, we're, we're let's call it uh, Madden, Madden 2022. <clears throat> they have to pay the record label licensing rights to use certain music, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what I'd what I'm interested to see is just how that plays into the metaverse and sandbox and land and stuff like that moving forward, uh, but also in, in games. games. I'm looking for really for the things that I buy as an NFT or a digital asset to become ubiquitous across gaming and platforms. So I can take my asset to Xbox and then take my asset to PlayStation and play different games or online. And uh, that, that cross-platform utility is very much being developed and underway today, uh, and, and that should be cool to see evolve.
0: Yeah, I can imagine in one use case where if you're playing on Xbox or PlayStation, like you said, that interoperability, let's say you, you went to a drummer from from MetaMint, you recommended a drummer, someone goes and gets the NFT and it's right. some unreleased drum tracks. Right. That user then, as they're playing across platforms, whether that's Xbox or PlayStation, when they're playing a game, they can elect to have that drum that, that sample like played in the game that they're playing.
1: Yeah, maybe that's my, uh, my that's my touchdown song
0: or that's my walkout song in UFC or something,
1: right? Right, and, right. That's my swag. You suck. <laughs> you know, look at things like Yield Games. Yield Games and uh, uh, Mythical Games are both doing creative things on the blockchain um, around play to earn, right? So you have, in addition to these other injections of media and content, yada, yada, right? It's going to become a thing. This is mm-hmm. unavoidable. Right, it's like Thanos. It's inevitable uh, at this point, right? And and so there's a lot of demystification that has to happen, and, and frankly, a lot of simplification that has to happen uh, in order for this stuff to even be functional. But look at things like play to earn. I think getting you know actual rewards in either Bitcoin or other kinds of virtual currency uh, is something that will become a lot more commonplace. And right now, it's it's a fringe group of people that you know use and and earn that stuff, but It'll be pretty common, I think, in the next couple of years.
0: And that's what I hope to see it, it become more common. Uh, when I'm looking through the, the landscape now, it seems like most of these projects, just even the play-to-earn, the, the blockchain gaming ones, if you will, are mostly just crypto investors. Um, I don't, I don't see a lot of culture around game development or because it's not anymore. there
1: yet, right? Yeah. The, the actual function of how to utilize that that thing that they're creating. It isn't there yet. The games haven't developed it, right? It's not inside EA Sports yet. It's not inside, uh, you know, Epic Games or, you know, Farmland or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, those platforms will have evolved themselves to embrace the ubiquitousness of, of this, you know, digital landscape.
0: You said it spot on. Uh, you, were, you were spot on about the the simplicity being a necessity as well. Like being in the crypto spaces incredibly complex. You know, it's just not not there yet for the average person. And, and I want everyone who's listening and watching, and if you're hearing this on, on Spotify or, or Amazon or, or soon to be Apple to think about the internet, right? Like 20 years ago, uh, you know, it was initially introduced to the average consumer. And then today, like no one really wonders how or even cares how the internet works. As long as you can access like Instagram or TikTok or or LinkedIn right. from your phone or your computer, like who cares how it works? You don't care about the technical functionality. You care about the end user experience. Yeah. The only, thing, only reason why you care is because your
1: connection got interrupted. Your your game dropped. You're like, no, no. Right. Yeah. I don't care how my video gets to me. 4, 4K YouTube video. Uh, I just don't want my video to drop. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm very familiar. I actually have a lot of experience in, in network architecture and even what's called ran backhaul with different telecoms. And I've been to the biggest data centers here in Dallas. Uh, you know, The top four, really. IBM, you have uh, Verizon, AT and T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and these massive, massive data centers are like football fields wide and big. Uh, are making sure that that our connectivity stays available. Um, by the way, AT and five G. If you see five G on your phone, AT and T, they're full of crap. Um, you know that does not work yet. They're uh, they're they're working on it, but I think the uh, the biggest element is. There are evolutions that have to happen. There has to be a stronger network connectivity that allows our mobile phones to stay connected with all this high bandwidth, high graphic processing. Our phones are getting smarter and and faster and cheaper in the sense that they're able to process um, high bandwidth graphics and videos, which is a technical marvel by itself, by the way. Um, And then evolve that into the cross-platform development evolution of you and I being able to purchase something on OpenSea or purchase something on a different platform and, and have an asset in Decentraland and engage there and actually find ways to uh, to monetize that. Smart DAOs, smart contracts and DAOs are, are going to be a new thing as they change the LLC landscape and you know partnerships. Um, so there's a lot of uh, very cool things that have to evolve here independent of each other. And when that happens, we'll, we'll see this become a lot more commonplace. But you know, kudos to you guys for listening and watching and being on the cutting edge of, of what's really emerging. here.
0: Do you see any, and I know that you're, you're a consultant leading in this space, do you see any artists trying to figure out how smart contracts can help them simplify their music contracts and particularly around royalties?
1: I think it's going to change the game. I think it's going to change the game. Um, I, I have a couple of opinions and a couple of, of things inside that are coming to fruition here in that landscape. But I think that record labels and the fact that artists traditionally make very little of their money, right? You're looking at 12%, 10% uh, of your total earnings as an artist. Uh, that's going away because now they've completely been able to back channel access to me, the consumer, where I can buy something, uh, an asset or a song or, a you know, a snippet or whatever, you know, hell, uh, UFC, Uh, Dapper Labs just signed a contract with UFC Strike now. So UFC Strike is going to be the ability to own exclusive highlights from UFC fights. Let's call it GSP, knocking out somebody, or Anderson Silva, front kick, knocking a cat out. And and I flex that, uh, but that that asset might actually get me also front row tickets to the next UFC event that I want to attend. right? So you have real function here, real dollars getting put behind these things. We'll watch that evolve
0: so potentially we can see a future where the artist is actually empowered to, to basically go back indie, like stop it being yeah, it's
1: called, right, right, man. We're, we're we're going back to the indie fundraising days where people are flipping CDs out of the, their trunk of their car. You know, this is yeah. happening, uh, this is a renaissance in terms of a, a very bloated music industry, uh, that is unfair to the artist because they can be. Right, they can capitalize you. They can take you, Nicki Minaj, who nobody knew because you're, you know, hustling at some dive bar. They can put you on a stage, dump a couple million dollars into you, but you're gonna, you're gonna be owned, you know, by that label uh, until you pay back 10x multiple, and um, that's a that's a disaster for the amount of effort these people are putting into their careers.
0: And so, let's change it looking forward to that you know I've spent a lot of time with any game so i I hope that this creates and, and that's why I'm excited about gamify is is I see them kind of as like basically a Kickstarter but exclusively for games in the metaverse gamify platforms and, and esports uh, startups but I want to see the creators be able to have the funding they need so they can maintain like the integrity of of and the focus on what it is they're producing because right. as you see in, in the music and the film industries, you know when you have that those dollars in, those dollars also come with control. And so maybe the creator's vision gets lost in the sauce.
1: Yeah, and the, the beautiful thing that's bridging that gap is, are guys like you and I, right? We're brands, Nike, right? Uh, let's call it Bob's Hot Dog Shop. Matter of fact, look, what I learned today. I learned this morning. I live in Plano, in North Dallas. There's an ice cream shop. That's now kind of branding themselves as the first ice cream NFT. Okay, the uh, they've made what is it called? Milky Treats is the the name of the, the company here. So Milky Treats is launching crypto creams, and that gives you uh, exclusive access to certain kinds of flavors, or you know, lifetime snow cones, or whatever the heck they're they're doing there. But they're they're taking things uh, and, and doing something new and different with it. Um, but one, one real, I think, important development uh, are things like, well, I'll,
0: I'll spare that. I'll spare that. Yeah, I, I remember. And that, so that, that makes me excited, but it also gives me a bit of anxiety because I remember that happening in 2017 when we had the ICO bubble, right? Like yeah. when blockchain first went mainstream, everybody was saying that they were getting into blockchain. I remember specifically there was a iced tea company. Up in, I want to say like New Jersey. Like Long yeah, they yeah. Probably, they they renamed themselves Long Island Blockchain T, and they were publicly traded. <laughs> and so their, their stock price went to the roof. And then the SEC actually made them delist from the uh, New York Stock Exchange because they didn't have anything to do with blockchain. They were just leveraging the hype.
1: Ah, oh, got it.
0: Okay. So I, I hope that's not what's happening there in Texas. But I, I, I think we also need to see companies being bold enough to tr- figure, at least try to figure out and fail, so people can learn from the failures and have future success. Right. No, that's success
1: that was the point I was making. I appreciate that. So yeah, just like true. you're doing for brands to go into games, right? And trying to look, they might not be, you know, graphic designers. They, they might not be uh, good at translating or or connecting different assets across different platforms because they render in different places. Different platforms render different ways. Um, and that, that gets really, really complicated. I mean, think about how you're going to buy an OpenSea NFT. You have to have MetaMent, you have to have Coinbase, you have to have you know, OpenSea accounts. And these things get really, really complicated. So again, kudos to those who are already involved in this because it's not simple. It's not an easy thing. But much like brands are looking for ways to get into games and, and leverage that advertising uh, landscape and, and real estate, right, virtual real estate. We're doing the same thing for musicians who are looking for ways to... Get involved in this, lead this conversation for their fans and fan bases uh, where they may not even have any kind of core competencies in technology or graphic design or they don't give a crap. They just want to capitalize on the opportunity. And this is a good time to do that.
0: It is. It is no time like the present. We just have a few minutes left. Does anyone else have any questions or credit to see you still on stage if you have any more questions? If, if not, Gary, please let, thank you for your time and let everyone know how they can find you, um, you know, where, where you're doing business, how they can be at least involved in the future of, of uh, music and NFTs. Yeah. But I know you've got so much more, uh, that you're working on.
1: I do have some cool things coming. Uh, right now is very much in stealth mode. Uh, I've have a bunch of capital partners that are, you know, launching this and we're going to uh, have a, a, a fun launch here in the next couple of months, probably. But, uh, I'm more interested in what you, the audience, want to see. Uh, what do you want to see from your artists? You know, how would you want to have access to them or interact with them if they were to drop an NFT? What would that be? What does that look like? Uh, who's your favorite band that you want to get with? And um, I just I'm looking for some feedback to help kind of market research where where this direction is going. So you can find me on LinkedIn, maybe the easiest place, uh, uh, Instagram. Slash Gary Glass. And uh, of course, here in Discord.
2: One more question, please. Uh, I listened very carefully to what you said, and uh, I, I want to know your opinion uh, on uh, one question. Imagine an artist uh, got crowdfunding, I mean a new artist, by selling his NFTs on a smart a smart contract with the real use case of staking or getting rewarded by the certain percentage of the royalty cut in the future earnings of the artist selling his future NFTs. I mean, a real use case where uh, investing in an artist with buying his NFTs will be similar to an ICO project launch when there is a point where you buy the NFT and invest in the project and the point when you get your Roy. Roy.
0: Let me repeat that question. If you didn't hear on LinkedIn, thanks for that, Kratos. The question was, do you see artists potentially offering uh, access and investment in them as, as a creative through their contracts? Very similar to how you can invest in in NFTs or, or, you know, in cryptocurrencies.
1: Yeah. So the short answer is absolutely. You're going to watch this evolve this year and and we're all going to figure out how smart contracts and DAOs play into this. Um, But you're much like Google back in the day, the search engine did for businesses, small and big right? At the time, you have the seers of the world who have massive reach and massive facilities and massive investments. And and you as a small mom and pop, uh, let's say furniture shop, don't have that kind of reach, right? You could not spend a million dollars a year on advertising. And so big companies had a very competitive advantage. Uh, Google completely leveled that playing field, allowing me to create a website using very specific criteria and you know, content and alt tags and things of this nature that allowed me to show up first on the search results. And so we're going to see that same kind of level playing field unfold right now. It actually is unfolding right now where artists, however indie or startup or crowdfunding, are actually being able to level the playing field in terms of their visibility to an emerging audience uh, as much as a Sony labeled artist can do. So that's a powerful thing for, uh, for anybody with creative ideas.
0: Thanks again for that question, Gretos. And you made a great point, Gary, especially in, in emerging markets where you may have Sony from a, let's say, a gaming perspective, not quite ready yet to, to get into this space because of the political or consumer climate. If someone is willing to take that risk, be bold there before thinking, they are now literally in, at least in this niche, which is going to be much larger than a niche down the road, uh, you know, leading ahead of a Sony. And that's that's unheard of.
1: Yeah, my my advice for anyone wanting to either... There's a couple of ways. You either buy into this or you build into this. You buy into an NFT by going to OpenSea and transacting and purchasing a a drop and then trying to flip that for profit. Unfortunately, because of the amount of noise this is getting, this industry is getting, you're going to see a lot of those decrease in value. And so there's going to be some massive losses this year. Um, Those that buy... Uh, pay large gas fees and eventually don't have a secondary market because that whole particular you know artist didn't have a very big following to begin with, right? So you're going to see some correction happening in that space, or you build into it by building you to build a platform, you 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 build some connective tissue uh, between brands and platforms, uh, or you find some other way to create skins or or a partner with a graphic designer. Go to fiverr.com or something to this effect that allows you to create assets that you can then drop and and build your own, you know, Woody's NFT or your own base C. These guys are graphic designers, but they're also partnering with people who are great at what they do to execute a very cohesive strategy. That's where the winners are.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So if you're still here, thank you everyone for joining us, Grizel and and Aziza and and Megan uh, on LinkedIn and everyone else joining us there and everyone here in the Discord stage, thank you for your support of today's episode. Gary did pose a, a very interesting question and ask of you all. So if you're in Discord, if you want to list that out in the chat, in the general chat here, just what you'd like to see from music artists, if you were to invest in NFT in, in Lauren Hill or, yeah. or, I don't know, yeah, yeah. Rage Against the Machine or whatever, What would, what would whatever your artist of choice is, what, what, what from them would you like to justify you investing that money? And then the same thing here on LinkedIn, you're not on Discord. Just feel free to, to drop it in the chat there and the messages. Again, Gary and I can see that now. He'll probably, he and I both will take a look at those later. We want to hear your ideas because we want all of us, Gary, myself, Gamify, want this ecosystem to add value to you. We don't just want it to be like, JPEGs for the sake of JPEGs and right, rich right. people for the sake of rich people getting more rich, right? We, we want it to be an experience where everyone, the average person, gets benefit and value out of it. Very good. So that's it for episode 10. We're now 10 episodes in. This has been awesome. Thank you, Gary, for being a guest. This upcoming Thursday, we have two guests joining us for the show. It's going to be 7.30 p.m. EST. Uh, and they're going to talk about making history with the the first comic book character to appear in an NFT game. It's going to be a really interesting conversation.
1: Pumped to be here. Thanks, man. Thanks for those uh, watching and, and attending. Uh, look forward to your feedback. Wish you all the best. Marcus, you're, you're an animal. Big fan.
0: Thanks, man. We'll, we'll continue the conversation offline. I appreciate all of your support. We'll see you on Thursday. Take care. Good night, friends.